Welcome back to the Unstressable Podcast. I'm your host, Alice Law, and this podcast is a series of amazing conversations with incredible people talking about what makes them unstressable from some of life's greatest challenges and the greatest stresses and losses they've had to overcome and how they came back from them so that you can become unstressable through yours. My guest today is a special one. Justine Long is the wife of the late Alex Flynn, who was a previous podcast guest who sadly died aged 49 doing one of his many extreme adventures to raise money for Parkinson's, having Parkinson's himself. Alex was an incredible man, and this episode really honours all of his life and work by talking to Justine about what it was like to be married to him, what it was like to see him go through his struggles with Parkinson's, but also conquer them in the most incredible way. I hope you enjoy this episode, listening more about Alex and understanding what it's like for Justine on the other side of Parkinson's for a family and the incredible work she's now carrying on in his name to help families around the world who are supporting people with Parkinson's. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for coming on. It's such a, honestly, such an honor to have you. And I'm so happy you're here. And I truly am just so sorry for your loss. I mean, for Thanks. those of you listening who haven't listened to Alex's episode, Alex Flynn was an incredible, incredible man who, well, I'll let Justine tell you way more, but go back and listen to that episode because his story is why we are now speaking today. So I'm very excited to speak to you. And thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. So obviously, you know, um, we've got so much to cover in this. And Alex is such <laughs> an amazing man. And I just wondered, when did yours and Alex's story start together? You know, how did you guys meet, for starters? Um, well, we met when we were 11 years old at secondary oh. school. <laughs> um, so we, we've known each other a very, very long time. Um, we had a little moment when we were about 14 years old um but he was the um the sort of the the, the rock star heavy metalist long-haired um denim wearing um yeah musician and I was the um sort of the the indie girl who was very much into you know very alternative music so um <laughs> as all things when you're a teenager, obviously crossing through genres of music wasn't, you know, we didn't sort of work as such aesthetically. Um, but we kept in touch um, throughout our lives, um, always speaking, uh, always meeting at the opportunities that we had. Um, we both had sort of carried on with our lives. Um, and then after our, both of our marriages had failed, we thought, okay, it's now or never. Um, and so we, we finally got together. Um, yeah, and he, he was my, you know, the love of my life. How many years ago was that then that you guys? Um, we, we, we actually took the plunge about five years ago. Um, and we were together pretty much every day, apart from the times he was out on his adventures. 
Yeah, I mean, God, I can't wait to talk to you about those because those are something else. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but so by the time you and Alex got together, what stage of Parkinson's was he in then? Um, he'd been, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's at 36. Um, he had called to let me know that he had been diagnosed. And um, to be perfectly honest, at that point it was the first encounter with Parkinson's I'd ever really you know known about um but I knew him as a person um and his strength and determination I knew that if if anybody could live with Parkinson's it was him um you know he he was always always a very strong and determined person um and nothing was gonna gonna beat him yeah I mean what was it like then to be with someone like Alice Alice (laughs) Someone (laughs) someone like Alex who with Parkinson's you know when I spoke to him and he was telling me about these challenges he was doing I my reaction Mm. to him was like oh my god Alex I wouldn't even attempt that in perfect health you're insane I mean these challenges were incredible you know for people I'm sure you'll be able to tell us more about them but you know one that stood out for me Mm. was like the marathon de sable which is the marathon in the Sahara for those of you that don't know listening which again is just the most extreme marathon you can do in desert heat and to do that in the condition he was in it's just remarkable to be honest like yeah. I was in total awe so I mean what was it like to you know be with someone who set himself these huge crazy crazy <laughs> challenges with ill health did you sort of have times where you were worried about him when he would go out or were you always just so excited for him what was that sort of balance um nothing in this world would have stopped him from doing what he wanted to do um the sort of the circumstances to how he got to what he was doing was the fact that society didn't listen to him as a person society as in you know employment um uh, social situations etc they people would see the disease as opposed to the person so for him to get a, a, a nine to five job was not, it wasn't realistic really. Um, you know, his brain was absolutely switched on. I mean, the guy was a, um, a corporate lawyer. Um, he had, he was an incredibly intelligent guy. Um, he applied for hundreds and hundreds of jobs, but when it came to sort of meeting him face to face um, and the lack of understanding of what Parkinson's is actually about, it, it, it sort of, I, I believe it sort of frightened people. Um, and that sort of underlying, you know, is this guy going to be fit enough to sit behind a desk? Is this guy going to be as quick as everybody else? Um, all the sort of the, the modern world, um, barriers I suppose um, you know he, he was more than capable of, of doing a job it just may have needed a little bit of adaptation um, but because I believe his journey of facing those difficulties he didn't want to see others going through this struggle um, so 
he literally gave his life to raising awareness for Parkinson's. Now, there is a point where running a marathon and then running an ultra marathon and then doing crazy adventures like he was doing, there comes a point when it's not noted. And so he then took it to the absolute extreme. Um, We weren't worried as a family when he was doing these adventures. Um, You know, he was the fittest guy I've ever known. Um, He was fitter than the majority of people I know. Um, So that that didn't didn't worry us at all. Um, And we believed he would come home. Um, He had a few issues with um, his swallowing ability. And I always thought, well, I always used to tell him, for God's sake, don't eat meat when you're away, because if you choke, then, you know, this is going to be a difficulty but never, ever did I imagine that I would receive a call as I did back in November. Um, he wanted to prove to the world and put Parkinson's on top of the world to say everybody is entitled to live an extraordinary life. Everybody should be given the same opportunity. And this is my way of making a noise and saying this needs to stop. Um, you know, we believe that this Everest challenge of his would have been his last big challenge until he started speaking about, well, once I've done this, then it's, you know, the sky's the limit, literally, and I'd like to go out up into space. Um, He would never have stopped. I have never known a guy with such a work ethic, you know, the determination just to watch him. You you know, there would be days when I think just, just give up, just, you know, just do something that, <laughs> that you're safe, you're, you're at home, you can do this from behind a desk, but that wasn't enough. And so absolutely supported him in everything he did and sometimes probably pushed him a little bit to do these things because, you know, he would, he would contact organisations, companies, you know, the, the build-up on social media was constant, constant, constant. But still, those changes, those, the perception, the understanding and the educational side of what Parkinson's is about just wasn't being heard. And I believe that is because unless this enters your life, what reason have you got to, to understand it or to, you know, really know what it's like as, as a family to live with Parkinson's? Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about that because I think you know it's such an interesting people for thing for people to understand on this episode to raise awareness around that because yeah, like you say, um, I think with many diseases and Parkinson's obviously is a, a massively on a very much underst- misunderstood one. You know, when I was talking to Alex, he was saying that actually the shakes were largely because of his medication side effects yeah. as opposed to yeah. like parkinson's itself and that's a message that's completely mis you know <laughs> misrepresented yeah. in terms of awareness for starters yeah, um, so what was it like you know living with alex with parkinson's and him living with parkinson's himself um i suppose our, our situation was slightly different because he was so much in the public eye um it alex was very much the the brand as such. Um, so when he was in the public eye, he was he was a marketing tool. 
um, for Parkinson's. Um, you know, if, if you looked at a, a picture of, of him, you'd think, wow, you know, this is a, a fit, good-looking young guy. Um, and he was, as I say, you know, for him, a, a, a 10K run was was just like somebody just popping out to the car or down to the shop. So, you know, he he just kept kept going. Um, the real the real life living with Parkinson's is and was very very different. Um, you know, we saw the the actual the real Alex. Um, there were good days. There were incredibly good days, and there were really tough days. Um, everybody's journey with Parkinson's is very very different. Um, as I say, this guy could run run across a continent, but sometimes found it difficult to put on a T-shirt or do his shoelaces up. Um, and I was very much a sit in the background and support. Um, I was I was always very, you know, my views, my opinions. I am put into what he was doing, but he wasn't quite ready to talk about how much of an impact it had on his immediate family. Um, and we all loved him and, you know, we respected that. Um, but the fact that he died raising awareness and also it almost became sort of a martyr to the cause, um, that's made us angry because... Parkinson's disease didn't kill him. Parkinson's disease does not kill you. It's, it's you know, you don't die of Parkinson's disease. Um, unfortunately, he died of altitude sickness, um, which is, you know, is unrelated. Um, so living, living with Alex <laughs> was never, never dull, <laughs> in that way. <laughs> he was, he was always looking for for the next challenge he was always looking for um a way into to tell his story um and he didn't rest and he wasn't going to rest and you know unfortunately through a series of events he's no longer here and i believe that he would you know give us the nod to what we are now trying to achieve and keeping the momentum going and and trying to raise awareness and you know god forbid there is another alex flynn out there who will do what he did and another family who will have to live how we are now having to live yeah i mean it is um like you say Alex was just one of those people who was just one of a kind. I mean, I'd never come across anyone like Alex and I don't think I will again. And, you know, he's just, it was so incredible. Like you say, his determination. I mean, I remember when I spoke to him, it was lockdown, first lockdown. And he'd said to me, oh yeah, well, my, you know, the trip up Everest has been cancelled. So I've decided I'm going to climb the, you know, height of Everest up and down my staircase. And I was just like, what? Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, it's real sad in our houses, feeling so lazy, and like I was like, "Oh my god, I need to go for a run." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He just he just didn't. If he, I I think also as well the underlying thing with Alex that he knew if he stopped, 
it would start to take away what he already had. Um, you know, for him, well, with all people living with Parkinson's, um, exercise and diet is, is key to living with this disease, as is the medication. Um, and if you stop one, potentially you're going to lose something else. Um, so he couldn't, he, he couldn't stop. Mm. What was the adventure that you admired him doing the most out of all of them? Or one that stood out to you? I think for, for me, I mean, obviously that everything he did was, was incredible. And, you know, I was always incredibly proud of him. I think the, the most insane was when he had done the ultramarathon in Fiji um, and he'd been away for a couple of weeks um, doing what he was doing. He came back and the, the following day he then went and ran the London Marathon. Um, and I remember sort of meeting him at the finish line and I, it, it, it was just you know, how incredible was that? And, you know, almost having to piggyback him back to the, the train station. Um, you know, I mean, his, his feet, well, they were almost like hobbit feet because they were so swollen and they were ulcerated and he had blisters and he was exhausted. And, um, but he, he had, he did it. He absolutely did it. Um, Every single challenge he did was incredible. Um, but I, I think his biggest achievement was just to keep going um, and almost putting, you know, the blinkers on to sort of say, oh, well, you know, I've, I've got to do this. I mean, how selfless is that? Um, so, you know... <laughs> I, I couldn't, there's not just, you know, he'll talk about, he talked about, you know, his various adventures and getting lost in the desert and, you know, running from London to Rome to meet the Pope um, and, you know, being part of, of Team Fox and representing Parkinson's UK and all of that. But to me, you know, he was Alex. He was, he was, he was my best friend. Everything he did, I was in total awe of. But to sort of get up in the morning and to to face the day with with the challenges that anybody has living with Parkinson's is is honourable, really. Most definitely. I mean, what did you see was the greatest challenge for him physically? Ignoring everybody else. Um, ignoring, um, uh, and, and I, I have... Been, my eyes have been opened up to a very, very sort of dark world um, of, of criticism, of, um, you know, people commenting negatively. You know, it's, I, I'm a very, I, I'm not a very high profile person. As I say, I always sat in the background and, and packed the suitcases or packed his kit up or made sure he ate, made sure he had his medication, was was there as, as any partner would be for, for anybody. Um, 
but it it's a very dark world out there put it that way and having listened to other people who've come forward who are going through the same things but not as such high profile it's, it's just heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking um and it needs to stop mm. what would you say then um what would you say in terms of like the work that you know you're carrying on and tell us more about that because obviously Alex's message with Parkinson's is just incredible and his memory will live on forever in that space I hope so I hope so it's it's hard it's really hard to keep it going because um you know we, we spent three incredible weeks together before he went off to the um off to Nepal um and to receive a call to say, you know, he was no longer with us and not be there was was just the worst day of my life. Um, and then to pick, you know, the children up and and be part of this grief process. But the important, the message that kept coming into my head was, was from him sort of saying you can sit there and you can feel sorry for yourself or you can do something about it and to me that was my Everest challenge that was my facing you know facing the biggest challenge of my life was to go he's not coming home um and this is really important. We have got to keep going with this because, as I say, all his hard work, we could have just gone, okay, let's 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 park that, let's forget that, let's deal with the man, the father, the brother, the partner, you know, and, and deal with the grief. But he would have said, No, this is this is a platform for you to go, right, come on now, let's let's keep this going. So um I <laughs> I'd always sort of, from a marketing background myself, I'd always sort of input into to his bits and pieces and helped him with with stuff. But you know, he he was very much that's my business, and I don't want to, you know, we to have that twenty four seven as a couple. Um, just you know, that's that's too much. We separate those two. Um, and there'd been an opportunity for me to get involved with a local Parkinson's charity. Um, which I did, and sort of you know said, well, if you you know if you don't want me to work for you, then I'll I'll go and help these guys. So I'd already sort of started to do that, um, but now I'm able to help them a lot more, and I believe that, as I say, Alex would be happy that we've we've ch- sort of slightly changed the direction. Alex is very much about looking for the cure, raising awareness that way. Um, you know, he always said, one day I'd like to say I did have Parkinson's. I used to have Parkinson's. Um, from the family point of view, I don't believe there are a lot of people that talk about the effects that it, Parkinson's has on a family, the huge ripple effects that it has. Um, so from our point of view, you know, that... that We've got a new chapter now, and it is, it's about supporting families um, and bringing all the good work and all the, you know, the high-profile following that Alex had and just saying, okay, yes, it, it, it's, it's 
a terrible thing to be diagnosed with Parkinson's, but it's not the end of the world. You can live a good life, a long life with Parkinson's, um, but it's about supporting the family members. You know, the person living with Parkinson's may lose, well, the majority of people do lose their their employment. Um, and so you have to make up the financial side to be able to survive in life. You have to pay your bills. You have to pay your mortgage. Um, so very often the partner living with a person who has Parkinson's has to take on a, a second line of work. Um, so, you know, you could be looking at up to sort of 60 hours worth of work a week. Um, you don't get support very often, A, because you don't feel it's necessary as such, because you learn to adapt with Parkinson's, you learn to make slight changes and we did that. We were, you know, we were quite creative in how we dealt with it. Um, and those little challenges we'd look at, we'd, uh, you know, we'd evolve from that issue as such. For example, using a knife. Um, you know, I was always worried, concerned about Alex's fingers as such if he'd use a knife. So we we looked at getting a new knife um, or. It's just little tiny things that you make those changes and you deal, you deal with those, you carry on with those. With regard to financial support, they look at, again, they look at that person, for example, with Alex, they would look at him and say, well, this guy can run across the continent. He, he doesn't need financial help. Um, but they don't consider the fact that you have to pay for the medication, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds a year you've got to find for, for medication. Um, the children, they have to obviously digest the fact that a parent is diagnosed with, with Parkinson's. Now, the, if you say Parkinson's, it doesn't sound so bad. If you say Parkinson's disease, automatically as a child, you think, my God, this is, this is, they're going to die. They're going to die. Or am I going to get it? Or am I going to pass this gene on? Or um, so, the, so the complexity with dealing with children, um, with a parent with Parkinson's, is a tough one. Um, there are quite a lot of child carers um, around, and you know, that miss opportunities in life because they are permanently looking after that parent. Um, so they miss out. So the, the implications are huge from this. And that's the side that I don't believe is talked about enough. Um, and it needs to be because people are being diagnosed a lot younger than they were or how, you know, that is recorded. Um, and one in 15 of us will be affected by this. That's a huge amount, huge, huge amount. And it's still perceived as being an old person's disease. It's still perceived as being a death sentence. Um, so all those things, you know, we, we have got to make a change. We need to start making a really big noise about this. Yeah, I think what you say is so true and that, you know, it's perceived as an old person's disease. I mean, mm. until I had the honour of speaking to Alex, I really had no awareness around the fact that someone as young as him could you know, get Parkinson's or mm. that it was 
not even that rare that someone <laughs> as young yeah. as him was getting it. Do you know that's I thought that he was the rarity and until totally he explained to me that's not the case. No, not at so all. It's just it's amazing, like you say, how it has been a just the wrong message out there. People think of yeah. like five-year-old just sort of suddenly gets Parkinson's and can't tie their shoelaces and that's what Parkinson's is for mm. a few last years of your life but what would you say is the actual reality of someone living with Parkinson's day-to-day how does their life change how does their body change how does the sort of the actual uh, you know implications of it I think it's um it, it's like with any diagnosis I suppose predominantly with we look at Parkinson's, you know, there, there is that, you can live with Parkinson's for quite a long time without, before diagnosis, because sometimes, you know, Parkinson's isn't just about the brain necessarily, it can manifest from in the stomach. Um, so there can be symptoms, underlying symptoms that can go on for a long time. So actually getting a diagnosis does take quite a long time. Um, and then you, you, you go through that the, the grief process. Um, are you going to lose that person that you were? Are are you going to lose the person that you love? Um, I think because Parkinson's Alex Alex was Alex. Um, Parkinson's it, it it didn't matter to me. Um, it wasn't, you know, I didn't sort of go, oh, well, you've got that, that's it. We're, you know, you crack on. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be. He he was him. I saw him. Um, everyone's journey with Parkinson's is very different. Symptom, you know, it's, it's, it's a spectrum of symptoms. Um, Alex was a very fit guy. Um, and sort of the sum of his symptoms in, in you know he was he was quite slow in the mornings but once his medication had kicked in um he was off um he had trouble with his his vocal cords um his voice was very soft um and but he used to do something what i would call midnight karaoke um sleep with sleep is a real problem with people living with Parkinson's um you know there is a slow start to the day and sleep you know it is quite a difficult thing so he would he would be up quite late at night um and I'd be asleep in bed and all of a sudden the music would blare out and he'd start singing and it would be sort of one o'clock two o'clock in the morning um but instead of of you know going into the bathroom and saying well you turn that music down (laughs) I used to record him um because his voice would be so strong because he was he was using his muscles through singing which would bring back his his voice um so for you know for me I've 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 got got so and, and I'm so glad that I did it um I've got loads and loads of recordings of, of him singing um that was so wonderful he had um he did have problems swallowing I don't know whether that for him was because he was the youngest um and it was always sort of you know protect your food get that food down quickly before your older brother comes and nabs it um but 
he did choke on a number of occasions and had to have procedures where he had to have um, food removed because the muscles weren't strong enough to to digest as such. Um, but again, we we learned to adapt that. And, you know, very often when you go into a restaurant, if you have a steak, it's very thinly sliced. In, in the, so you learn to without sort of saying, right, that's it, we're going to cut stuff up now and you're going to be treated like a child. It, it would be displayed as if we were eating out. Um, he would always, if we did ever go out, he would always say to me, did I embarrass you? Was I embar- an embarrassment? And I'd say, well, no, why? Oh, because I'm, I'm a bit shaky tonight. Um, and, I, and I've watched a lot of his um, interviews or listen to his interviews, and he will always say, oh, I'm a bit shaky, my medication's just kicking in. Or he would say, hi, I'm Alex, I have Parkinson's disease. And I'd be saying, why are you saying that? You know, why do you, do you feel you need to say that? And he said, because people think if I'm, if I'm looking at them that I'm, you know, I'm asking for a fight because of the stare, or people feel uncomfortable with the shaking, um, I still believe that some of that was in his head because, you know, visually, to me, there weren't, no, he didn't embarrass me. No, he, you know, um, he would always say to me that I was, I was deaf because I didn't listen to him. But again, because he, he was very softly spoken. So, yes, I, 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 was, I was deaf. Um, he, <laughs> He also suffered from terrible night terrors, um, which were quite frightening. Um, and it's it's a tough one because people have accused, and, and again, I've, I've I've heard this from other people who live with people living with Parkinson's that they get accused of of abuse of abusing their partners. Um, and it's it's not the case, you know. If you wake up with somebody on all fours screaming in your face, yes, you do um, react in a oh my gosh, what on earth is going on? Um, and yes, I I did tell him, come on, you know, let's go, let's let's do this, let's do that. It was because we we love our, our partners, um, and you know. <laughs> He would encourage me, you know, I needed him as much as he needed me. And our life was, you know, our, our partnership, our relationship, as everybody else's, it was, it was very private. Um, but, uh, and as I say, I've heard from other people who've said, oh, such as, you know, they, they think that I'm being abusive. And, and you think, no, 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 it's, it's that perception because people living with Parkinson's, suddenly become quite, um, not isolated, but, um, you know, not not as outgoing because they feel that they're an embarrassment. Um, and, and so when, when you are in the, in the public and people, you know, they, they, they think they know these people, they, they don't, they don't, you know, it is such, um, it is, it is, hard it is hard and as I say until until you're there you you can't ever make a judgment on how someone is or how they are as a family 
I think that's the truest thing. It's so easy for us to have judgments on anyone from an outsider. And it's like, well, take one day in someone else's shoes with all the factors that have led up to that moment. And then Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And as I say, he was, it was Alex, the marketing, Alex, the brand. And then there was Alex, the family guy. Um, and that's, those are the memories that we have. Mm. What was the best thing about being married to Alex? <laughs> there was never a dull moment. <laughs> um, you know, we we would laugh so hard that you know we we both fight to to get to the toilet. Um, <laughs> we enjoyed. We we shared so much. We we had the same love of of life, basically. Um, we just wanted. You know, we we had so much more to do and to see and to experience. Um, and now it's it's it is every day is is a challenge because every day, you know, he's not here to to say, oh, can you just come here a minute? And I'd be in the middle of something, and I'd be able to go down. He said, what's what's, what's up? Oh, I just wanted to tell you I loved you. And not to have that is not so lovely. Yeah, he, he. We had dreams of of getting old together. We had dreams, and now those dreams have had to slightly change. Oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, it's just like you say, grief is something that you can't really understand and loss until you've been through it yourself, and it's. Um, something in itself that I think needs a lot more discussion and support with because, you know, that's part of the reason I bring it into this podcast for that reason, you know, that yeah. um, in whatever way, death is a fate we all share, but we just all shy away from talking about it, whether that's to each other or to our families and knowing that we will all one die one day. And it's a very strange culture in the West, how people react to death. And also as well, I think, um, you know, from from experiencing death previously, you know, somebody it would probably be a grandparent would would pass away, and you'd have the little black book, and you'd go, okay, right now we need to contact these people to let these people know the plans, etc. Um, I mean, to to be told from somebody in another country that you you know, he's not, he's not coming home. Um, and to be able to contact the boys, particularly the boys. I mean, my daughter was here when um, I was told she was, you know, she, she was incredible. The boys, I was able to find or get in contact with one of them to say, look, you need to come, you need to come home now. Um but to try and get hold of the other one who was working a different um, shift pattern at the time, couldn't get hold of him. And then to see Alex's death being posted all over social media before we'd had a chance to tell the children was just like, whoa, what on earth is this? You know, it, it, it just completely opened my world or my eyes to a world that I never ever imagined um you know people people doing and again you, you do it you say oh, I'm sorry for your loss um okay you know at least he died what he enjoyed doing well 
yeah, I get that to an extent, but he loved his family. This is a guy that was not ready to die. This is a guy who loved his family more than life itself. Um, so, so you have to sort of, you see a lot, you hear a lot, you're, you know, I even had the, oh, it was because you allowed him to have the COVID jabs. I mean, and you sort of think, how dark can all of this go when a family is is just grieving um unbelievable absolutely and and that was just with Alex so I mean I I couldn't I would never want to put my I if I could just cut off from the world and go back to how we used to deal with grief and death in you know 20 30 years ago I think that would be easier but because it's such a you know communication is so far and, and social media is great great it's great when it's used the right way but when it's used the wrong way my gosh I can understand why, why young people take their lives and I just you know always protected the children from that side of, of, of the web as such but you don't think of yourself as a, a as an adult being open to that abuse as, as such because it there were times when I just thought I don't want to be here anymore so did you struggle with this after Alex's death was this something that came up just around people having opinions on the topic on you know how it was dealt with why it happened just basically people knowing nothing and just putting in their two cents so to speak on social media yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, he was my best friend. He was my soulmate, all of that. And it's like, no, no, that that was Alex, the brand. This was the guy who was raising awareness. This, you know, and, and he, he would, he always gave people the time of day. Um, you know, if anybody had any problems or anybody was going through a hard time, yes, he would be absolutely be there. Um, but as I say, at the end of the day, he was very, you know, he protected his family very much so. Um, and I, I imagine he used to receive, you know, the odd sly comments, but as a grieving family, no, that's, that's, that is so wrong, absolutely wrong. And there's, you know, specific platforms as well were, were worse than others, mm. <laughs> I say. Um, and it's it's very difficult to keep going with um, his his work. And we are not doing it to jump on a bandwagon. We are doing it because he died trying to make changes for other people. Um, and that's what we want to do is to make sure that nobody has to go through what we've been through. I think you're remarkable, honestly, Justine. It's incredible to, you know, hear all of this from you and it's just awful to hear that side of it, just the sort of when you're grieving anyway, that's that's far far enough to deal with. You don't need anything on top of that. And people, you know, wading in with their opinions when they don't even know you or know Alex, essentially. Yeah. It's just so it's so horrible that we live in a world where people think that's acceptable now and sadly yeah. the, the dark side like you say of the of social media and the internet mm. has given 
people a platform to say things that they would never say to someone's face whilst they hide behind a screen and type away on their keyboard in a dark room or whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, But, you know, I I think as well, you know, with grief, like you say, it's um, dealing with that in general is hard without those things, what people can say to you then when, like you were saying the comments before, oh, well, at least he this or that. It's like you don't, (laughs) You don't need that when you're grieving. All you need is someone to say, this is shit and I love yes. you and I'm here for you. Because nothing's going to make it better. <laughs> we don't want to change the story. So you just need to learn to be there for that person and hold space yeah. for what they're going through, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah. Yes. And the sad thing is that, you know, I'm the first person in, in my whole circle of family and friends who, who've ever gone through something like this and you think wow you know the like you say everybody will have to go through this at some stage and it is it's horrible Mm. absolutely soul and life destroying it is and I think you know something for people to take into account is that you know a lot of the time you, we always think, oh, you know, it won't happen to me, it won't happen to me. And obviously it will <laughs> happen to all of us. And yeah. just remembering that one day you will need that person that, you know, maybe you've forgotten to call to check in on in grief. Yeah. And, you know, that time afterwards, actually, I always say to people, the time during, as in, you know, the immediate effects, everyone's around you, it's a funeral, yeah. it's busy, everyone's there. And it's actually the months afterwards that are the hardest because that's yeah. when everyone seems to go back to their normal lives and you yeah. are in your new reality and that's the most mm. isolating period i found absolutely yeah and it's wake up in the morning and you for that you open your eyes and you take that first breath in and you think and then you go oh god here we go here we go again what what is today going to bring how is today going to be and you you have to learn to almost go with the flow as such and if it is a bad day he write that day off um and if it's a good I mean I I I write to him every day I talk to him every day um and if I get myself into a a situation you you know I mean he he would I'd always call him you know he would make a brilliant foreman um because (laughs) I'm doing something and he'd say well no you can't be doing it like this you should be doing it like that and I'd be like "Mm -hmm." um but I, if I hit a, a, a tricky situation, I have him again in my head saying, just walk away from it, take a moment, do something fun or something different, and then go back to it. And so you, you adapt. It, again, it, it's like, it is like having, you know, having that diagnosis. Every day is a struggle to get out of bed. Every day is a struggle to get dressed getting through the day has it's it's challenge I mean I'm you know I'm I'm I haven't got Parkinson's but I can sort of now really really understand how he dealt with a day and if it was a bad day that was a bad day but tomorrow is another day and you start again yeah yeah um 
I mean, you talk about then, like, I love, and I, I always do this still, you know, with my dad and my sister, I talk to them out loud. I, you know, yeah. On my bad days, I'll be like, helpful, you know, whatever yeah. it is. But so what for you, I always ask everyone on this podcast this question, what does spirituality personally mean to you? Because it means something different to everyone. So what does it mean to you? Um, there have been... I've had a couple of very, very realistic dreams. Um, The most recent that I had was I actually, I woke up crying. I woke myself up crying. Um, And he'd been in in bed with me and I was holding him and I could actually, I could feel his hair because he had beautiful thick hair. Um, And I was asking him not to leave me and he said, I'm never going to leave you. I will always be with you, but I can't physically be with you anymore. Um, And so those little moments to me now are so precious. Um, There are times when I feel that, and I I know I've, I've done it, I did it um, not long after he died, he was supposed to be doing a, taking part in a, uh, a challenge for Born Survivor, which was a, a military-designed event um, that, you know, all these special forces and, and military people were taking part in. And they, they'd obviously called to say, really, you know, really sorry, um, Alex was supposed to be taking part. And my mouth just went, well, I'll do it in his place. I have never ever done anything like that in my life and 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 I thought well you know I I'm I'm fine behind a canvas painting I'm you know I, I'm, I'm that kind of, never 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 you know at school I wasn't very sporty and so it that to me was him going right let's put you in the most uncomfortable situation you could ever put yourself in and you've got to get yourself out of this and I did it. I did a 10K challenge. I did, I think I missed three, you know, obstacles out of the assault and I did it. Um, and that's him. That, that to me is him. So he's, he's definitely there. Um, and he's just constantly pushing me out of my comfort zone. I would never in a million years of thought I would be talking on a podcast. I would never have been live on, on BBC breakfast. I would, that is just me completely out of my comfort zone, but that's him doing that because he would always say, yes, you can. Yes, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me that you know, the, the spiritual side I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm very open to everything. That is him. Mm. I love that. I truly believe that, you know, those things that, like you say, like Alex speaking through you when he wants you to do something or getting a nudge is signed, like this is where you should be going next. Like, come on. I, I believe that so much that, you know, yeah. our loved ones are around us helping us. And yeah, particularly absolutely. like in this instance, when you're carrying on his amazing work, but actually... What I find so incredible about it is that now it's changing into something else and it's the other side of Parkinson's that people need to see. So what we saw was Alex and Parkinson's and now what we see is the other side that affects the family and that's only something that you can do. 
Um, and there is such an incredible beauty in that, despite the incredible tragedy as well. It's just really, really admirable. And I'm just so, so in awe of it. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, I always finish with this question as well, because my podcast has changed the name to Unstressable. And with everything you've been through, you know, so many stresses and challenges with Parkinson's and still now and grief. What do you believe helps us to become unstressable? Um, I've learned a very, very good technique um, that when I do feel myself getting stressed, and yes, I, I do, I, you know, there are times when I just think, what is the point of going on? But it's breathing. Um, I've learned to, when I'm, I'm stressed, the first breath in is always the most painful and if you can take a really deep breath in and you feel that pain but then when you release that breath it's easier and so to continue with that breathing in until it is as easy as the breath out um, that is a very good technique. I think I'm overdosing on lavender oil. Um, I think I've got every known product to man <laughs> um, that relates to, to lavender oil. Um, I, it, it's, it's, I can't, you know, I am, I am in such a hole, but every day... You know, it could be one step forward, two steps back, but it is just, it is just learning that you. I think we 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 all like to be in control, and when you're not in control, regardless of how controlling a person you are, when you lose control, that creates so much stress. Um, and just learning to almost stick the middle finger up like he used to do and just say nah um and asking for help and it's okay to ask for help um so lots lots of you know for, for having you know we, we were always a three-legged race through this and now that I'm on my own it, it's it is it's it is a very scary place but you just take each day as it comes. Yeah. What would you like Alex to be remembered for? <laughs> um, I, I would, so the, the Alex the brand, I would like him to be remembered that he, you know, he, he, he didn't let this beat him. He didn't let Parkinson's beat him and it didn't. It didn't beat him. Um, you know, had the world listened and had the world changed, then he would still be here today. Um, and so in some recognition of the work that he, or to, to gain some recognition of the work that he actually did, Alex... Alex, the family guy, we will never, ever forget his dirty, dry sense of humour. <laughs> um, the uncontrollable laughing, you know, 
being told all the time that you're loved. You know, he was he was our everything and he will always be part of always. There's never a moment that he's not in our heads and our hearts. Well, thank you so much for sharing, you know, your story and parts of his. And it was honestly truly so, so wonderful to have you on and thank so you. wonderful to be able to say I got to speak to Alex and you know, <laughs> meet him on Zoom because he was such an incredible man and he's clearly married such an incredible woman. So thank you so much. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode with the wonderful and inspiring Justine in honour of the incredible Alex Flynn. If you haven't listened to Alex's episode, then like I said, do go back and listen to what an incredible, inspiring man he really was. If you did enjoy the episode, then please share it in your stories and tag us. We would love to hear from you. I'll see you next time with another incredible guest to help you to become unstressable. Stay tuned.